0: You are listening to The Seaworthy Podcast, Episode 14, Making Work Better. Seaworthy is a podcast about building successful software. Today we're talking about building a product that drives behavioral change at work with Ben Huggins of Humu. Excited to have Ben Huggins on the show with me today. Ben's head of design at Humu, a company focusing on behavioral change to make work better. Prior to Humu, Ben worked with companies you'll recognize like YouTube, Google, and Nest. Welcome to Seaworthy, Ben. Thanks for being on the show. Awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, totally. So
1: I think I have that same tagline of a lot of designers that I was playing in Photoshop when I was 12 because I thought computers were cool. Uh, making websites, doing HyperCard stuff uh, in the early days, um, but I think the the thing that really sparked creativity in me originally was that both of my parents were in TV news. Um, so my dad was a news director, and my mom was on air talent. She was an anchor, um, and so like when I would stay home from school sick, I wasn't chilling in bed, watching Price is Right. I was like making fake newscasts for my parents. Right. Um, So just getting interested in that world of like being creative and making things and uh, video in particular. I actually got pretty big into um, making video uh, in high school, um, like before YouTube when the uh, media teacher would let us put videos on like the closed circuit network in the school uh, just to goof around, which was a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, like grew up outside of Boston, um, basically had this experience where I ended up, um, kind of tracking towards the agency life. Like I, uh, I eventually got an internship at this uh, big ad agency in the broadcast department. I was like, man, this is so cool. I'm going to be near all the things I'm excited to work in near super talented people. Um, and it was interesting because after being there for like, you know, the three months or whatever during my internship, I started to realize that, uh, People were pretty unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it actually got to the point where, like, I, I saw a couple of people like crying at their desks at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, it was like I, I might need to hit the brakes on this a little bit and, and think about what I really want to do here. So um, that was kind of the early day stuff. Um, the The natural turn was when I realized I didn't want to go right into agency life. I <laughs> hit the brake like you do and uh, became a DJ uh, for a couple of years. Um, it was convenient because I actually had a uh, a business uh, DJing my own like middle school dances and stuff mm-hmm. growing up. So I was the kid like, you know, trying to DJ a wedding when he was 15 and right. <laughs> figure it all out. Um, but I ended up joining up with this group that was touring colleges through the Northeast um, and basically DJing these big par- college parties, um, which was pretty awesome, but uh, definitely definitely different than where I thought I was tracking originally.
0: Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you know, going from your roots where your parents were, you know, involved in TV news to DJing in middle school and now kind of carrying that into, um, you know, your first career, so to speak. Yeah. Or, you know, first kind of opportunity. Um, how did you get started in, then in design? Obviously, you talked a little bit about, you know, being involved with, uh, you know, with the, the anchors and uh, news anchors and being involved kind of in the broadcasting world. Yeah. But how did you really get into design? Did you go to school? Do you have a background mm-hmm. in uh, business? Can you talk a little bit more about that? For sure. So that was kind of my my turning point. Like throughout
1: this whole process, I'd always been the guy, you know, you need a website, I'm working on it. Uh, you need a, a, you know, a lot of people talk about like making t-shirts for bands or mm-hmm. album art. I was doing that because I was like, you know, creating DVDs for live band shows. Right. Where, um, you know, kind of all the time, I was just the guy who who would make the thing, right, packaging, posters, whatever, um, for whatever else I happened to be doing. Um, and eventually, I think, you know, during the DJ years, I probably drank too many Red Bulls and was like, all right, it's time to, time to get a job that doesn't keep me up till 4 a.m. Uh, and I ended up at a, uh, a startup where um, it was back in the days when when Foursquare was like real big mm-hmm. and the whole idea of like location and checking in. And um, my job was basically to say, so the product was essentially, you go to a place, you go to a coffee shop, for example, you say you're at the coffee shop, and then we actually give you activities to do there. It's this Mm -hmm. company called Scavenger. And uh, the activities were to earn you points. So you talk to the barista about what your favorite drink is, you take a photo, you're accumulating points. Um, And we had this interesting challenge. So actually what I got brought on to do was to build uh, a product offering for all these uh, major national brands we had signed so we had signed the smithsonian yeah. and sony pictures and the new england patriots and like coke and showtime and like all these other brands and they were like hey ben so like your job is to figure out what we're going to do for these folks uh, which was super interesting mm-hmm. um, and basically we ended up creating these um, essentially uh, ways for you to go and visit simon malls and play with coke content at the simon mall for example gotcha. Uh, this is
0: kind of pre-AR AR days.
1: Totally. And it's, it's about, you know, choose your buzzword, but like depth of engagement at a yep. place. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that was really interesting. And as a function of that, I got to work really closely with the product team and uh, product design team and basically eventually found myself making wireframes for what would become the next version of the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of had this moment where I was like, whoa, like this is something I really enjoy doing. Uh, but it's also something I think I'm I'm decent at. But there was this interesting thing going on. This was probably like 2009, 2010, where people were kind of just deciding they were UX professionals mm-hmm. uh, and sort of tacking that onto their title. And I was wary of that. I was like, I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, so t- if I was in a client service production t- style job, I don't want to just all of a sudden be a UX professional. Right. Um, so I was like, how do I go and get that deep understanding of human behavior essentially so I can back up my design decisions with you know at least some science yeah for sure and so for me that was uh i looked into a bunch of options but that was grad school um and i ended up going back to get a degree in in human factors uh and ux design and uh it was an awesome experience uh and actually uh led me to getting an internship at nest um which was really cool uh it was it was surprising uh i guess to suddenly take the turn and be like in the room with really talented folks and Mm -hmm. you're on the line i think it was seven of us working on mobile products at the time yeah Uh, but it was like so inspiring to work with these folks that were just top of their field
0: yeah would you recommend you mentioned uh you know got your master's in ux yeah right you went back to school would you recommend that to designers today um you know obviously you're hiring here at humu um, is that something you look for? You know the certifications, qualifications, or is it more experience and results or case study driven? What would be your recommendation uh, as a head of design?
1: Yeah, that's a, a great question. I talk about that a lot with folks who are you know considering that in their yeah. in their career path. Um, it was really helpful for me um, in terms of like you take the hiring manager angle. There are some companies who index really heavily on like your pedigree, essentially mm-hmm. where you came from, what you're. Um, Academic qualifications are. I tend to look less at that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's really just like, do you have the skills in terms of like process and craft, uh, and can you prove it right through your right. portfolio through your work? Um, so whether you've you know done a graduate PhD level education or whether you're you know um, you didn't finish high school, like if you've got the chops and you've done the learning, it's awesome. Um, For me, though, like just having that connection, um, my undergrad was in psychology actually. So it was like the the way that I approach design is through understanding how people work and kind of that human behavior piece. Um, So adding that level of almost connection of like, okay, here's the world of UX, here's the world of human behavior. Let's combine those two worlds. And not to mention like the, you know, hours and hours of Photoshop (laughs) you've been doing all these years. Um, How can we pull pull that together? Yeah. Um, So I think that's an awesome opportunity uh, if you find a grad program that works for you it's certainly expensive it takes mm-hmm. time like if you're working a full-time job that's a real decision for sure. Um, but yeah um, that was a great option for me
0: yeah yeah I appreciate the background into design there was that around the same time we talked a little bit before the show about highlight hunter yeah um, was that around <laughs> the same time as highlight hunter were those kind of running in parallel or was uh, that before the whole nest internship
1: for sure yeah so highlight hunter was during grad school Um, I did the option to actually do the grad degree full time. Um, So my schedule is pretty free. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to find a way to continue to practice my craft with like a real challenge. You know, there are plenty of, you know, projects in grad school that you can kind of anchor in real world problems from actual companies. Right. But this was like, okay, it's my thing. There are real constraints. I got to figure out how to do this. Um, And yeah, working on that app was a, a big part of it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like in the early days, you know, for a startup, working on that? Yeah. Um, You know, I I think you only had a couple people as part of the team. Talk a little bit more about that experience.
1: Totally, yeah. It was actually um, just me and the founder, who was a a buddy of mine from college, um, and he had taken time off of his, you know, full-time job to to kind of pursue this thing. Uh, Probably makes sense to say what it is. (laughs) Um, So Highlight Hunter was this idea of, you know, at the time, GoPro was getting really big. Basically, just having lots of footage on your hands was mm. becoming a really common problem because you know you'd fire up the GoPro, go for a day of skiing, uh, and five hours later you have a five-hour clip that right. you need to somehow <laughs> right. figure out what to do with. Um, so we actually took inspiration from um, the world of like old skateboarder VHS recordings, right? Mm. So what people used to do would be you know you'd go, you'd hit a ramp, and you'd uh, do something interesting. And then after that happened, you'd cover the lens of the camera that was shooting so that later on you could go back and fast forward through the whole tape and just watch for those spots where it right. went black and you'd be like, oh yeah, that was where that, that trick happened. So we kind of took that and said, okay, what if we could automate that? And so the idea was you take your GoPro out, same day of skiing, but after something interesting happens, you cover the lens with your hand and then run it through our software mm-hmm. and we'll pull out and make those clips really easy to share. Um, so it was a cool concept. Yeah, that's great.
0: Um, yeah. Cool. So um, obviously you're going, at this time, you're going to get your master's, right? Your master's in design, UX, uh, human focus, human
1: factors. The
0: the program is actually called
1: uh, HFID, Human Factors and Information Design. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So it needed a little dressing up to make sure people knew what I was doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you're going to school for this, um, and you're kind of immersed in this world of, I have to figure out how do I go from Uh, this idea that the founder has and maybe a little bit of traction to understand how do I demystify what this can do and design a product around it and go. Um, Do you feel like that was a big part of your development as a designer, you know, really getting those skills? Because I'm assuming you had to wear a lot of hats between research and UX and UI and really, you know, talking with users at the end of things, doing QA, kind of the whole gamut of a product. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that experience?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'll be totally honest, I was still pretty green through yeah. this process. So like a big part of my learning curve was like, oh, what are red lines? Right? Like I, I know the general idea of what I'm supposed to be doing, but like the engineer mm-hmm. like developer handoff was something I'd never done before at this right. stage. Um, So building digital product, like, had a whole bunch of things I hadn't quite realized were a thing at that point. Um, So, yeah, just working through that, you know, even one-on-one, that relationship of, like, okay, like, how do we build together? Like, we both have ideas. We both kind of speak the same language in that way. But when I build out mocks and you're going to code them out, because he had never worked in that way, you know, directly with a designer before, like, how do we figure this out? Um, So it was a little bit of trial by fire. um, And then in terms of, like, you know, testing with users, it was really just as gorilla as it gets, mm-hmm. you know, asking f- friends and family to, to use the app. Um, and it was one of those things where, like, you know, the core problem with any type of app that requires a little bit of investment of your time is you don't see the payoff until the end. Right. So in this case, it was like, okay, number one, go out and like do this weird thing where you're covering the lens of the camera all day. Yep. So that's an investment. That's something you might not do. Uh, get back home, install the software, load the footage up into the software, scan the software, and then eventually you'll see the clips come out. And, right. and hopefully we did it right, right. right. But that's a lot of faith to put in us as a piece of software. So basically what we had to do was not only help build that trust with users, but also really help users step by step along the way. So a big thing that we did was basically like, run this test clip, for yep. example. And that got people over the hump of like, oh, okay. I kind of recognize the potential of what this is yep. capable
0: really of. Really drive home the value prop yeah, a little totally, bit more. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's cool. So what type of uh, things do you do outside of work? What keeps you busy?
1: Yeah. So um, my new thing as I get older is trying to simplify my interests and <laughs> knowing what like really uh, gets me fired up. So one of those is like in the simplest format, drinking coffee outside is like the right combo of all the things. It sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> um, But I love to snowboard and mountain bike, uh, you know, just getting outside. We do this thing, my wife and I, um, where we go on what we call like serious conversation hikes. And what we mean by that is like, it's it's a time we go every Saturday morning, we go out, we take a hike, California's beautiful, there's like so yeah. much stuff to do. Uh, we just walk and like talk about like what we want our life to be like, and like, you know, our future and our family and things like that. Yeah. And, it's it's weird because sometimes in relationships, like you don't create the space to be able to do that. Like right. you, you've got so much going on. Um, so that's been really fun. It's been yeah. like a cool thing we do.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So we'll get into a little bit more about, um, tell us about Humu and what it does. Obviously, yeah. gave a little bit of an intro and I think, you know, your experience with uh, you know psychology, and mm-hmm. you know talking really about how you know how do humans think? How, how do we solve these people problems from their perspective, and yeah. um, really you know speak their language? And I think you know what you do at Humu, is um, kind of ties it all together. You know, which makes sense that you know that you're heading up the design team here. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Humu and what your mission is?
1: Yeah, totally. So, in the simplest sense, um, we're trying to um, make work better, right? Um, that's a pretty broad classification, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we can start here, right? Like, so for you, I'll turn it around a little bit. What's the most important thing that you do? The thing you like most, the thing that gets you most energized, the best way you can spend your time? Just family time. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. Like, I, I think that's a pretty common answer. Yeah. Like, of course. Um, how much time did you spend with your family relative to work this past week?
0: This week, since get, I'm out in San Francisco, not, not too many. Yeah. You know, not too many, uh, yeah. not too many hours. But last week, um, my wife was on a retreat, so yeah. I spent time with uh, with our daughter who's oh, awesome. 16 months, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, so a couple days actually. So more than more than usual. For That's sure. great. Yeah. That's great.
1: So like, you know, we know really acutely like the things that matter, the ways we want to spend our time, yep. the ways that are most meaningful. But the reality is we spend a lot more time at work than we do you know, with any of those things. Um, and that's a necessity, right? Like it's important that our jobs are important to, to a lot of degree, um, but the experience at work is not always as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. So if you and I sat down and said like, okay, let's make a list, let's use the rest of this time to just brainstorm things that'll make us happier, uh, more productive, yep. maybe more successful at our jobs... Um, we could come up with a pretty good list, mm-hmm. but it'd be a long list Right, and you know, picking the things off the list that are most important right, is a pretty hard exercise. It's hard to know where to we're focus. Okay. There's another cu- couple of problems with that. One is that we as humans uh, are not so good at figuring out what's going to make us happy in the future. Uh, money is a good example of mm-hmm. that. right? A lot of people over-index on how happy money will make them if they make a lot of money. Um, the other piece is like, we're just so, in any given moment, we can be busy. We could be distracted, we could be emotional, really just things that get in the way of us paying attention to the things that are basically acting in our own best interest, the things that are most important to us even. Right, are in our own way. In our own, yeah, exactly. And like, so how do we remember to, number one, know what the things are that we're supposed to be doing and take action on those things? Um, So essentially that's what Humu helps with. We work with uh, organizations primarily, but At the organization level at the team level and at the individual level Hmm. to figure out what what are the things that will drive happiness that will drive an inclusive environment Uh, and then the the step that really matters is we actually help you remember in the moment with these little micro interventions that we call nudges Hmm. Um, and what those do is basically say like hey you're walking into a meeting you've been working on this idea of uh, we call it voice but basically the idea of like remembering to speak up right Uh, and if you speak up in the first 10 minutes that's going to be easier for you Um, and then the interesting thing is that we actually do that for the rest of your team as well. Mm. So for your manager, if you walk into a room, they're also getting a a nudge basically saying like, Hey, if anybody's being quiet, just encourage them to speak up. So that combination factor, right? Like it's it's nothing like earth shattering, right? right? Uh, It's things you probably already are familiar with, but they're rooted in science and they're tailored to you. So taking these small little actions can have a huge impact not only on your world, but on the world of your team and on the company.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of it applied that way. You know, behavioral design, if you look at BJ Fogg's behavioral model, Totally. you know what I mean? It's it's motivation, it's the ability, it's a trigger. And I think those things like tied closely together, I could see how that could, you know, people on our team, designers, developers that, you know, have um, really... I guess, needs uh, to experience new things or to grow in soft skills or hard skills. I think those reminders in context are super powerful. For sure, for sure. So how did, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how Humu came about? Obviously, uh, Lazlo Bach is one of the founders. Mm -hmm. He has the book. um, Work Rules. Work Rules, yes, when he was at Google. you know, so I also thought it was interesting you went from you know, Nest, which got purchased by Google, to yeah. YouTube and Google, uh, yeah. kind of the line between there, and then now kind of keeping it all in the family with a couple previous uh, Google <laughs> yeah Google folks as well. Um, do you guess us a little bit about who came about uh, from your perspective? Yeah,
1: so I mean, as I understand it, like obviously our, our founders would tell a much more elegant story, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but essentially it was just this idea of saying like what are the things that um, we know to be true about behavioral science and about work and essentially about the power of thinking about the science behind how people connect at the workplace, right? Um, and how might we create a company that's really dedicated on translating those, thi- those things into number one, a product, mm-hmm. but also like things that people can understand and relate to and use in their day-to-day life. Um, and basically bringing that some of that scientific rigor and some of that behavioral science um, to companies that haven't had access to it before.
0: Yeah, that's great. So, are you working with a lot of companies in the Bay Area or kind of globally at this point?
1: Yeah, so we we have a bunch of partners, um, kind of all over, um, and we work with you know companies that are unicorn technology startups, kind of the, the folks you might imagine in a Silicon Valley environment, mm-hmm. um, but also a really you know different set of companies um, from you know. Uh, global analytics into financial services firms mm. um, you know we, we've worked with a few companies like we can't mention all of them but like a few companies like Sweet Green, which is a, uh, this uh, quick serve uh, salad, salad restaurant mm. um, so it's really cool to think about the world like not only from a you know office environment, but also from a retail environment, right. a store environment that way.
0: Right. A lot of the same themes carry over regardless of where you're working. Totally. Right? It's a little triggers. Yeah. And we worked with groups like Teach for America, right? So yeah. not, not traditional office environments, but still people who work really intensely for in sure. collaborative team environments. I think even just those, you know, I, I read Atomic Habits, uh, reread recently. Mm. And, you know, it talks about, you know, environmental design. And, you know, I think this is a big part of it. We spend so much time... On our computer like you said you know busy from one thing to the next and it's easy to forget that hey i'm walking into this meeting i should be mindful of you know subjective or this goal that i have to speak up or you know it could be a a myriad of things but i think it's just so important you know this is really impacting and giving you that trigger that cue to be able to to make a change and you know relatively soon hey coming up in five minutes you're in this meeting be mindful of this i think that's that's pretty awesome totally and i mean you think about like the just the overhead that you
1: have on trying to figure out how to improve in your mm-hmm. career, like that's a massive task, right? We think about like you know as, even in the design world, keeping up to date on tools. Uh, you know, I, I read a ton of medium articles and books, and like how can I be better at my job? How can I be better as a teammate? Um, and having even a small part of that weight taken off of me to mm-hmm. say like, hey, we actually got you, right? Um, and we know maybe a little bit better because we have this amazing uh, PhD science, you know. behavioral science team with folks that can essentially, that are so deeply, uh, immersed in the research, um, that they can help you understand things that you might, that might not be obvious essentially, which is pretty
0: cool. Yeah, that's great. So from a success standpoint, how is, you know, you mentioned before, before the show, whom was growing and you're hiring and that's great, but how are you internally, um, you know, measuring success? Is that, um, you know, is that through the success of your users? Is that reaching outcomes? Is that, um, you know, obviously there's the the typical business metrics, like the pirate model, if if you're familiar with that, but, um, you know, you're retaining customers, are you getting them, are you increasing revenue and um, kind of keep mindful of those things. But are there any factors or uh, metrics that you like to think about success, uh, you know, as a team here at Humu? Totally. I mean, it's really, at the most
1: abstract level, it's about helping people, right? So any metrics that indicate that mm-hmm. that's going well are, are great. Um, and it's it's not about necessarily overnight coming in and saying like, hey, we have the ultimate solution for right. you, like flip it on like a switch and it's all good. Um, so incremental change at organizations, or, or even more than incremental, like sort of meaningful changes over time, um, are basically what we pay attention to. So some organizations we've worked with have seen you know 20 plus Uh, increase, 20 plus percent, rather, increase in sentiment Mm. um, in focus areas and just, you know, timing six months or so. Wow. Um, Other things we think about is like, if you think about our effectiveness of these nudges, um, so we had an experiment with two groups, essentially, one nudged and one not. We were able to show that nudges around a particular theme drove a positive change in sentiment um, that was 2.3 times higher than the non-nudge group. So it's about saying like, is there organizational change? And then are the things we're doing really driving that organizational change?
0: Yeah, that's great. Seaworthy is brought to you by Headway, a product-focused team for hire. Headway helps companies validate ideas, build out products, and grow through experimentation and technical execution. If you have an idea that you're looking to gain traction on, or a current product you're building that needs expertise with product design or development, check us out at headway.io and let's make waves so what what's one of the the challenges that whom is facing today you know is it is it communicating the value of this is it um, something different yeah
1: so I think our challenges stem from what we really care about so if you think about you know being deliberate about how we build our company our own culture um, we want to make sure we build everything to map to our principles what we believe in um, to make sure it's really deeply rooted in science. Mm-hmm. Like there's a way to go about building a product that you kind of build the structure of it and you you plug in the science later essentially yeah. or improve that over time. We're not doing that. We're starting from a place of saying like, what's the science? Let's start from that place yeah. and build a product around it. Um, having a huge emphasis on privacy and security, right? Because we're dealing with real people data here. Right. Um, and then things like building an inclusive team. So, you know, there's natural friction involved in building an inclusive team, right? People with different perspectives. And that's great. Um, but all of these things that I mentioned like basically require an investment, right? And that comes sometimes at the expense of speed, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it yields such a better product that we're really excited that we're going that direction.
0: Yeah, for sure. So makes me interested in, in how you think about, you know, product here at, yeah. at Humu. You know, how do you tie in the, the science uh, team with design, with development, and to kind of really create that cohesive product Cycle, you know, how to how does one inform the other and kind of make sure you're heading in the right direction together.
1: Totally Um, This is gonna sound like a total sales pitch for Humu and maybe it is but the The first day I walked into the office. I was a little taken aback by how Warm and welcoming everybody was and like just sort of collaborative like everybody was in a real way working together on a host of different things Um, so I think just Having it be that kind of environment where people are actually willing to step up and help and work together, mm-hmm. um, and there isn't a whole lot of emphasis on role or hierarchy, kind of as barriers to getting involved, right? For sure. So I work really closely with our science team. Um, some days they feel like my relationships that I've had with PMs. Some days they feel like relationships that I've had with other designers, um, and I think that's a really great environment to basically be able to say, let's come together as a project team and figure out what needs to get done uh, and. Actually, you know, incorporating them into design processes uh, has been an amazing experience and it's really fun to work with them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is, that, um, is that involvement, you know, typically throughout the process? I would imagine it, it is, you know, they, yeah. they might come with some science and you might create some features or sure. um, ideate around that. And then ultimately, you know, what's the cycle like to, to measure that response uh, later when something's been shipped or, you know, new features or, you know, even new users have gone through um, the process?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about, um, you know, working together in a process standpoint. Um, We actually don't have any PMs right now. Um, So we have these sort of self-initiated project teams where somebody has a project they think is important enough to kind of say, like, hey, should we prioritize this? Mm -hmm. They kind of bring it in, they pitch it, um, and then we build the team around it, right? And that could be a cross-functional team. Um, And then throughout that process, you know, oftentimes it's super collaborative between, you know, Front end engineering and, and back end and design and science to kind of say like okay like what are the requirements what do we need to build here um, are we solving the right problem are we doing it in the right way yep. um, and then bringing it to a place where we say like okay we think this is think this is getting there and then you know testing with
0: users and yeah. and making sure we're, sure we land it yeah that's great to hear I mean yeah. so so we work a lot with companies where we don't have you know account execs or sure. like, strict PMs or people you know we like everyone to work directly with who's doing the work. Yeah. And so I think, you know, having that mindset and really having everyone take a little bit of ownership of the pie and and making sure that they're understanding the problem, the user and like gauging towards that, I think, you know, in our experience has provided the best outcomes, you know, from a feature or a product standpoint, just launching that because you don't, you know, you can't say, oh, I, you know, I thought someone else was going to do that or I thought someone you kind of uh, have everyone, you know, understand where they can pitch in and really take ownership of that that yeah. part of it, which is great.
1: Yeah, and I love the idea of like keeping so connected to the user. Um, I think in certain company environments, especially larger ones, it's really easy. Actually, I just saw this uh, really awesome talk by Charlie Sutton, who's the head of TV design for uh, Facebook. And it, it was really ironic, because I used to work on TV design at YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some of the issues he was talking about felt really resonant, but the majority of which had to do with this idea of business problems Becoming so separated from human problems, mm-hmm. right? Which is totally natural in a large organization. You have KPIs to hit. Yep. You know, you kind of organize success around those business metrics. Um, but at some point, you know, almost without realizing it, you can almost entirely disconnect from user needs, For sure. and say like, "Oh shoot!" Like, you know, I, I did my diligence in terms of like who who's my user? Why are we solving, Like, why are we doing this? But you take a look back and you say like, "Man, I." I was optimizing a little too much for my PM or yep. for my director, you know, just to get it out the door. Right. Um, so that's something that as we build Humu, I want to keep really top of mind, which is let's always be checking ourselves and saying like, who are we building for? This is totally about people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the minute we start to
0: lose that connection, we got to recalibrate and reconnect. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, how do you, you mentioned, you know, don't have any strict PMs, you know, everyone yep. kind of... Uh, chips in, making sure that you're understanding, you know, the users and the business needs and all, all of those things into consideration. How do you manage your, what tools do you use to manage your inter- internal workflow? Um, mm-hmm. Or, if, you know, if there's an agile or scrum process that you run internally or yeah. stand-ups, uh, you mentioned before.
1: Yeah, uh, we do have we do have a daily stand-up with 50 plus people. Um, at some point, we're probably going to have to adjust that practice just because of our room size. Um, but in general, you know, I really have enjoyed the way that, so our, our uh, technical co-founder, Wayne, has a strong opinion on basically saying like, hey, we're gonna implement process as we need it. Mm-hmm. So instead of jumping in and saying like, okay, here's how we do design reviews and here's how we you know write code tests, systematic, it's like, okay, here we, we're gonna start from a place of saying like, we put faith in our people to kind of organize around these product teams. Yep. And as we need process, as it starts to hurt, because with with scale, like it will eventually start to need a little bit more structure in place. Yep. Um, but let's wait until we feel that a little bit to institute the process. Yeah. So i and from a tools perspective, you know, we use, uh, Slack and, and everything else to kind of track projects. We do a lot of spreadsheets just to like make sure things run on time. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been great to kind of like be a little bit more organic and in so doing, we're starting to see where the gaps are that we need process. And hopefully we will be better in implementing processes that fit those gaps as opposed right. to like whatever people did at their last job.
0: Right. You're not really diagnosing before you prescribe something. You're saying, totally here's the process, right. follow it, yeah. and hope that that's the right thing. Yeah. Because that process will change depending on the scale of your team. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, it's going to look different for you know a team of 50 versus a team of 500. 100%. For sure. So um, I was reading an interview that you had in the UX Planet, and you mentioned the importance of design critiques and just kind of mentioned there's no set process around that. How do you, um, you and the team here at Humu I guess, operationalize that? You know, are those good design critiques weekly? Are they just kind of um, ad hoc throughout the day? Yeah. How do you structure those? So the team is actually still pretty small.
1: Um, We're we're hiring. We just uh, hired a couple of folks who will be joining the team. And this is something I'm going to have to really think about uh, as we grow. But in terms of, you know, when I was at YouTube, critique was very clearly, like, the most important thing we can think about as a team. Like Mm. granted product and users and all that stuff. But like the the vehicle for getting really good and shipping product that was excellent as opposed to like, you know, satisfactory was this idea of critique, right? Mm. And one of the things I learned, so I I read uh, Discussing Design by Adam Conner and Aaron Aaron Rosari. It's like Mm. phenomenal book about this whole thing. So you should check it out if you can. Um, But basically it's this idea that critique often gets looked at as a meeting, right? And so, we set up our design critique, everybody comes in, we show work, you know, and that is what critique is. Right. Um, in reality, it's a, it's a practice, right? It's a, it's a muscle you have to build in the way that you communicate with other people, whether it's in that weekly meeting or, you know, over their shoulder at their desk. Right. Um, and the other piece is that it's not about giving critical feedback on work and kind of saying like, you showed work, is that good or bad? Right. It's about coming to a common understanding of a project and what you want to accomplish, and then saying like, okay, we we understand our goals here. Um, does your work meet or not meet those goals? And if not, how might it better meet those goals? Right, right. So it's about us working together as opposed to saying like, you stand up and we're gonna throw darts at you. Right,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So being more collaborative, you know, as you mentioned before, and just, totally, you know, really focusing more on, you know, can you objectify design through a goal or you know something that you know designers working on through a yeah. project that you could give better feedback on versus, I don't like that, or it's not, you know what I mean? Are you tracking towards the right things for the product and for the business and then figuring out how do you give feedback, you know, in a way that's helpful? Totally. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the team's made up, um, design team, you know, and how you're starting to grow it and and function? Are are you specializing in, you know, between UX and UI and uh, research and all those things, or are you looking for more holistic product designers uh, that kind of own the whole process?
1: Yeah. So the way the way I'm approaching it is basically to say we're going to hire candidates, um, and sort of observe again those gaps as, as we go. But um, we just hired a phenomenal designer um, who's coming in, um, who's going to help us build out some of our product. We just hired our first UX researcher, uh, which is really exciting. She comes from uh, from UserTesting.com mm. and the Nielsen Norman Group. Um, so. Research at user testing is a little meta, <laughs> for sure. um, but, uh, you, you know, super talented. And basically, you know, my next step is we, we have lots of candidates who are interested. My next step is to take a pause and say like, okay, based on these folks as they get adjusted and we ramp up and we figure out maybe a little bit of process, like yep. what do we need from there? Right. Um, but essentially like something that's specific to Humu that I've been looking for is this understanding of, you know, the importance of human behavior, I guess. Um, and how it connects to work, mm-hmm. and really, you know, I learned a long time ago that if you don't want that thing to exist in the world, joining that startup is going to be hard for you. Right. the The analogy I use is basically like you don't want to be so excited about the subject; you want to read the book about it. You should want to write the book about it. Right. Like you should just be all in. Um, so, you know, that that's a big part of it too. It's like, do you really care about what we're up to here, and
0: and are excited about it? Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, as far as tooling, are you guys using Sketch, Figma? Getting a little, yeah. a little into the hard skills, just curious what for sure. what you and the team are using.
1: Um, so, Sketch right now, but I've definitely, you know, especially as we grow, you've got to keep an eye out for things that feel a little bit more collaborative. Um, you know, sure. you can play the, the ping pong with the files a little bit more. Yeah. Um, how, how have you found that experience?
0: Um, yeah, Figma's been great. I yeah. mean, you know, for us internally and then our clients, too. You know, with startups, just like who move we where. You're wondering where stuff is you know we can kind of point to uh, exactly where we're at be super transparent in the process we yeah. hop in a lot of it's you know collaborative design where we're not you know reviewing something and then going back and changing it yeah we're kind of working on the fly and changing it as we go and, and talking about whether this works or not and do the same thing with engineering teams so it's been super helpful to not have to worry about oh let me get that file version to you or let me upload a new yeah. a new <laughs> envision prototype or um, things like that so it's been yeah, I would recommend it looking into it for sure, but right um, you know It's been game-changing for us and our clients cool. for sure, so
1: it uh it, it reminds me of how I would feel so when I was at Nest we used to design all of our UI in Keynote, okay? Uh, And that was largely thanks to uh, a buddy of mine, Ted Boda, who was there at the time, who worked on the product keynote Hmm. and basically was an evangelist for how it could help you get your work done more quickly. Um, It it taught me a lot about basically just crashing through a bunch of ideas because you can just duplicate slides. right? But the other thing was like we could share keynote files with each other and at any moment like fire up the presentation because we were presenting UI to Tony Fidel every week. And he didn't want to see like, oh, here's directionally some wireframes of what might. He's like, no, show me the thing. Um, so that idea of being able to say like, okay, number one, we're all on the same page with what's going on here because we've all seen the file. We've all chipped in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the ability to say like, Hey, like we can actually just take this file and make it into something that other people can digest and understand regardless of their role. Like they don't have to have a sketch license to get in there. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's powerful too. They have a lot of great you know, Figma API that opens up to, you know, you can actually sync your design file with a React yeah. uh, file and you can update things in Figma and they update in the React using the, their API. So totally. there's a lot of cool uses. There was actually a side-scroller game that you could modify the level and it would update live in the browser um, as you're updating it in Figma, which is pretty crazy. So right and you're starting to see like the, um, there's another product out there and I can't remember. I, I was just looking at it this morning. That's basically Figma, but you can export React code Um with it and like your components are react components and so you can kind of really tighten the the feedback loop on product is that framer Um, no it was a different one but yeah framer framer x yeah that's that's one of them all right Um, that's very close with that but cool um any other tools you use internally that you couldn't live without
1: i mean so keynote's still a big one for me (laughs) um but also uh you know the. You know, Google Docs—the uh, their collaborative suite—is like pretty essential to what we do. I'm doing a bunch of you know, um, sort of brand looking work right now, and just being able to put together things and share them out and like, you know, mood boards and things like that. Yeah. Like, I I love Keynote, but like having something that's in Google Slides that I can actually like easily share and have people comment on mm. and like get feedback, like it's a game changer. So yeah. So that's a big piece. Um, you know, prototyping, do a little principle. Um, getting a little bit into Framer, um, still feels a little clunky. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited
0: about the, uh, the world of React here. So that could be a good. Is it, is your product in React? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> <A> little bit. <laughs> anything, anything you can speak to about the technology that you're using on, on the product or even the data science side? Um, not much. We are holding that a little closer to the yeah. chest. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, what's next for Humu? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So the way I think about it in terms of how we're building right now is two things. One is like, it's so important that like we have all this science backing our product. We have all the bells and whistles and charts that we could tell you about what's going on, but it's so core to what we care about to help you focus on the right thing Mm -hmm. and say like, you know, as much as it's really valuable in enterprise software to be able to say like we have 400 charts and bells and whistles. Um, the user benefit isn't there, mm-hmm. um, and especially when things are complex, especially when things are room open. For, sorry, there's room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, not only are we putting the burden on you to try to have to figure that out, but you might not have the skill set that you know a PhD behavioral scientist does to be able to go through and see the nuance there. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, we're working really hard right now to figure out what are the things that are going to guide us to a product as we build more, um, that always keeps focus paramount and helps you focus on exactly the right thing. Yeah. And maybe even brings a little voice of the scientist in there, right? Like somebody who's there to help out. For sure. Um, so that's one direction is basically like going deeper on the product and, and maybe even more focused on how we present things to you. The second is like, you think about all the different stories that you could talk about in terms of a workplace. So, mm. you know, our, our core is kind of that culture product with Uh, We talk about happiness. We talk about retention, like kind of the the main things. Um, But then you think about all the other stories. You think about like you're joining a new company. What's that onboarding experience like? You're a new manager. You've never done it before. Like how do we help you? Um, You think about diversity and inclusion. How do we not only make sure that you're building a diverse team, but like people feel welcome there. Um, And all these things coordinate back not only to individual happiness and satisfaction, but to the company's success overall. Um, so like it's kind of that depth of product and then the, the breadth of the story across those different areas.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. So good luck on that. Thanks. I mean, it sounds great. I'm, I'm uh, you know, really excited to, to dive more into Humu and, you know, continue conversations after this. Yeah. Um, where can people follow and learn more about Humu and, and follow you as well?
1: For sure. So Humu is just humu.com, H-U-M-U, uh, it's out there. And then I'm B Huggins on most things. Uh, or I have the URL, hug.in. So keeping it stylish. Sounds
0: great. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Ben, for for chatting. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great having you. Yeah, awesome to be here. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Seaworthy. Connect with us and ask questions on Twitter at SeaworthyFM. Make sure you subscribe, and if you enjoyed it, leave a review on iTunes. Sail forth and make waves.